0: Hey, man, it's me, Kevin Smith, the annoying voice of podcasting. And you're listening
1: to the non-annoying Three Guys in a Flick. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Fuck it. I'll take you with me. You might learn something. About soccer? No, mate. Not about soccer. And for fuck's sake, stop saying soccer. Soccer. Welcome back. You are listening to Three Guys in a Flick. This is where we review the good, the bad, and the absurd. Tonight's episode, Green Street Hooligans. Beware spoilers. Coming to you from the Abbey Pub in the London borough of Newham, my name is Don. And to my right, we have our comic book guy, John. Hi. And to my left, we have the professor, Ken.
2: Evening, mates.
1: I just want to start by saying happy new year to everybody. Uh we at the three guys hope that your twenty twenty three is better than your twenty twenty two. So how are you guys doing? I'm think
0: I'm sober now.
1: Oh really? Yeah. Well that's a start, I suppose. What about you? How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good. Yeah, I'm good, good. Anything new and exciting happened this past week? No, not really.
2: It is a it is a fresh new year.
1: Yeah. Well, I
0: mean twenty
1: twenty three. Does that mean we
0: all start with a fresh, clean slate?
1: No. Fuck. I mean, the professor and I do, but yours is so dirty that there's no way it can get clean. Mm. Dirty. Tonight, we are talking about Green Street Hooligans. This movie comes to us from one of our listeners, Jocelyn. So thank you for your submission. We really appreciate it. Released on September 9th, 2005, Green Street Hooligans was directed by Lexi Alexander. Screenplay by Lexi Alexander, Dougie Brimson, and Josh Shalove. Story by Lexi Alexander and Dougie Brimson. And it stars Elijah Wood, Charlie Hunnam, Claire Forlani, Mark Warren, Leo Gregory, and a bunch of other hooligans.
2: What is a hooligan?
1: Uh, that's a good question, uh, Professor. What is a hooligan?
2: A hooligan is the unruly and destructive behavior of gangs linked in the public mind with and support
1: of football or
2: soccer clubs. Ah. Uh, uh,
1: for fuck's sake, mate, stop saying soccer. Uh, did you know what a hooligan was? Yes. Before you watched this movie? Yes. You're such a fucking liar. No, you I did know not. About,
0: I know about football hooligans.
1: Oh, okay. All right. Just making sure. Uh, had either of you seen this prior to us watching it?
0: Not, uh, no, I have
2: not. Yes, I have a couple of times.
1: Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, enjoyable for you then, obviously, if it was a couple of times? Yes. Oh, good, good, good. Uh, I had never seen it, mm-hmm. so I was pleasantly surprised. I think
0: for at least two of us, it was hard to find to, to watch it. We had to actually go to YouTube for the full version.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, luckily, I didn't get any ads, and they didn't uh, censor it, so mm-hmm. I was okay with it. I mean, standard deaf, but... What are you going to do?
0: And where would you get yours, Professor, your copy? Through Netflix. How would you get it through Netflix?
1: The disc. Oh, he rented it through Netflix. Yeah. I did. Wow, I didn't know Netflix still did discs. They do. Look at that, in a pinch. Well, he is the professor. Wow, that's a good point. Good point, good point. Um, we're not really sure how much it costs to get this movie made, but what we do know is that it made $4 million in the box office.
0: That's not too bad. Eventually. I mean, you
1: you you've got to probably assume that this movie was made for under a million, I would guess.
2: Okay, but in two thousand five, the box office tickets, three hundred and forty five thousand. Well, there you go.
1: So that is chunk change. Well, in the United States, yeah, yeah, it killed over in uh, Europe. I which, bet it, I bet it did. Which makes sense, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, what'd you guys think of the casting in this? Uh, a lot of them were unknowns. Uh, I know Elijah Wood, obviously. We'll call he was him, we'll fresh call him off Frodo. of Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Charlie Hunnam, I I think I knew him because of Sons of Anarchy, though I've never watched it. But watching this movie and even looking at the poster, I remember thinking, God, he, he's a discount Channing Tatum. That's mm-hmm. what I think of every time I see him. Uh, Claire Forolani, uh, Mallrats. I saw her name, and I'm, I was thinking, oh, is that her fucking name?
2: I don't know. But, no, I didn't make that connection.
0: Wasn't she Claire in Mallrats?
1: Is her name Claire?
0: I can't remember.
1: It might be. That's so funny. I remember Gwen.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The funniest thing about her is she's playing, you know, a Yank in this movie. She's playing an American in this movie. She's actually British. Yeah.
1: Go figure. And then there were uh, some other characters. One of the members of the GSE uh, is in all of Edgar Wright's films. Uh, He was in Shaun the Dead, Hot Fuzz, World's End. Uh, So I knew him, but everyone else uh, I didn't know. But I didn't care because uh, immediately I was engrossed in the world and uh, I went along for a fun ride. So that was fine.
0: Uh, Did you read who Lexi Alexander originally wanted to play Matt?
1: Jake Gyllenhaal.
0: I thought that was an interesting casting. I think that could have worked. To play Matt? To play Matt, play the Elijah Wood character.
1: Uh, maybe but i think that elijah brings uh more of an innocence mm-hmm. to agree the screen
2: it, it, it's his eyes and and just his presence on screen he, he seems he seems a, a, a lot more uh somebody who
1: is uh vulnerable sure absolutely and where is jake gyllenhaal at the time yeah maybe mm-hmm. but i mean i think they did right by uh oh. going with elijah
0: i guess they also considered tom hardy for uh Pete's character.
1: Ooh, now there's something that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I like I like me some Tom Hardy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Especially uh, with an edge. Absolutely. Absolutely. He probably, <clears throat> though, thinking about it all the way through, he might have been too rough. He mm-hmm. might have been too burly. You know what I mean? Uh, I think that Charlie Hunnam did a good job as Pete, and I bought it, and I bought how, uh, what a badass he was, and this, that, and the other. So I, I like the cast. That was good.
0: Yeah. One of the things that, you know, I'm a big fan of actually the show Son of Anarchy*, So that's where I know Charlie from. Um, I guess he really wanted Tommy Flanagan to play the older brother, the Major. Um, And I think that really would have worked. If you're familiar with Tommy Flanagan, he's the one, he's the actor that you see on TV every so often, the Scottish actor that has the, uh, I don't know if he's Scottish or Irish, but he has the scars on
1: his mouth, like on his cheeks. Was he in Game of Thrones?
0: Yes, I, I, I don't know if he was in Game of Thrones. Uh,
1: looking at his picture, I know who you're talking about. No, he was not in Game of Thrones. He was in Braveheart, though, and that's where I know him from. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, he, he probably would have been good as the Major, too. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Okay, so just out of curiosity, how did this movie, how many swear words did this movie have? I mean, how many F-bombs were there in this movie?
1: There were 240 uses of uh, fuck in this movie.
2: That is a lot. That is in an
1: hour and a half. That's yeah. like, that's like listening to one of our shows. Yeah. It's like one episode of our show. Yeah. It's crazy, crazy. And then they have a, a bunch of other, uh, profanity that they use. And you know, it's, it's just in the language. It's right.
2: It's their colloquial, their colloquial conversation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I gotta, I gotta tell you, I, I, I love their conversations. Uh, Uh, Comic book guy, I I didn't turn on the captions because you told me they were dog shit, so I didn't even bother, so I turned up the TV really loud. All it was was a louder, blurred uh, conversation, you know, but I didn't mind because I could pick pick out the important bits, and, you know, you just go along uh, for the ride.
0: Well, one of the big things is some movies, when you watch them, the profanities are just put in for the audience, and sometimes they don't even make sense where they're put in. This movie was just a group of friends and a group of brawlers all chatting in the pubs and everywhere else, and the profanity fit. It
2: melded into the conversations. Well, yeah,
1: it's their way of life. So Exactly. Let,
2: so let me ask you this, guys, gentlemen. I'm curious to know, overall, did you like these guys? Were they likable?
1: Um, Interesting question. I liked Buckner, and part of me, I did like Pete. I think that Pete was a brute. And I think that maybe their way of thinking was a little, I don't know, I'll say extreme, but overall I like the idea of the bond the GSE had, right? You especially, have my back, I have your back. Especially you, in the pub. In the pub. And it was just I I, I liked their characters more than the other firm's characters. Even though we don't get a whole lot, you know what I'm saying, right? Totally. But just on first glance and first impressions, I like the GSE firm more than all of the other ones.
2: As we should. What right. about you, John?
0: For me, and this kind of goes into you know later on for my review, but I felt a lot of the characters were underdeveloped, and because they were underdeveloped, except for maybe Matt and Pete. I didn't get behind any of the characters. I didn't feel anything for those characters. So for me, they were just all background characters. Even, I think his name was Bover. 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 You know, I understand, you know, his reasoning, and I understand, you know, his purpose in the movie, but I didn't get behind him or care about him. I didn't feel much, you know, caring. Even Pete, I felt like they could develop more. Shannon, they could have developed more. The Major, they could have developed more. There's so many different little stories going on and different things happening, and I don't feel like this movie gave us enough time with any of the characters to really back any of them.
2: Okay, so but my question is, for the GSC, did you like these guys? I liked Pete.
0: Uh, other than that, like I said, I didn't have enough development to like any of the other characters. So no, the answer is I didn't care about the other characters.
1: Okay, yeah, there you go.
2: So for me, you know, I I find it interesting that. I did uh, enjoy and appreciate the camaraderie that we see Matt's character uh, eventually embrace with these guys, and yet they are indeed hooligans. And because they are bad guys, we still, at least for me anyway, I felt a sense of not necessarily camaraderie, but certainly a certain sense of fondness for the group, especially when they were... uh, together in the pub and and, and sharing their stories and, and, and laughing with each other and giving each other a hard time i i thought that for uh for what it was you know these are bad guys and yet we still we still
1: like them One, you know what that reminds me of uh when as i'm watching it i even said this out loud i said oh it's football goodfellows. Uh, you watch Yellowstone. Oh, it's Cowboy Goodfellas, right? It all kind of comes down to that gang mob mentality. And if, if the characters, um, if you're having fun with the characters, then you're going to have fun with what's going on regardless of what they're doing, unless they're fucking, you know, killing puppies or something
0: it's funny that you kind of mentioned that these are bad guys one of the things i did appreciate about this movie is it also gave us some insight into this isn't their whole life they're not just you know guys with you know aimless guys who are just all about football and and about um getting in fights you know pete is a history and pe teacher one of them is a pilot you know they all have lives and jobs outside of it and they're normal this is just something they're just ultimate, ultra fans of, you know, the West Ham football team and, uh, you know, willing to fight for it. So, Professor, earlier you were asking us, you know, what is a hooligan and kind of going into that details. I wrote out just some questions that I thought was interesting, some trivia about football hooligans and the history thereof. To ask both of you, which country has the most football hooligans?
2: I would guess Scotland.
0: Ireland. Russia. Russian football is rife with hooligan culture and violence, which the top clubs having firms of their own. Uh, so that was really huge in 1970. Next question. Who are the toughest football hooligans?
1: Which hooligans? So which firm are the toughest which, firm? Which firm is the toughest football?
0: Manchester. Millwall Bushwhackers. It is the Millwall oh. Bushwhackers were famous. They were notorious what as the fuck do I know? the most... <laughs> Ill behaved football fans in England and they've been active or they were active since 1972.
1: Are they equivalent to the Oakland Raider fans? Maybe I guess they're the Vegas Raiders now, but yeah, maybe. Or I hear Philly Eagle, the Philadelphia Eagle fans are pretty rowdy too. I hear that pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. Next
0: question Uh, what decade was hooliganism at its peak?
1: Hell yes, I'm going to say it was the 70s. No, 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 no. I'm gonna say it's the '60s. I'm gonna say the '60s, professor. '90s.
0: It was 1980. God it was damn 80s. it! I was gonna say '80s, but then I thought, oh, that's too easy. You started with <laughs> '70s, I went with '90s. Uh, uh, who is a Hooligan named after?
1: Uh, Thomas O. Hooligan, who was raised in Ireland from his old mammy. How the fuck would I know? You
0: should have done your research.
1: What the fuck do I want to know the origin or who the first hooligan was to review a fucking movie?
0: It's actually Patrick Houlihan, and I guess they changed oh, it it's to pretty hooligan. fucking close. I know you were. <laughs> and he was an Irish bouncer and thief who lived in London. All right. Well, And the, then the last trivia question I have for you guys. Oh, for fuck's sake. So Cuz we don't really see it in this movie. Are there female hooligans? Yes. Yes. Women were the original football hooligans. A leading Scott historian found out. So women are the ones who started hooliganism.
2: Trivia, what is
1: GSE short for? I know, I know. God, I just looked that up too. Green Street Elite. Yes, sir. All right, all right. Trivia, what do I call Charlie Hunnam? Discount uh, Yeah. It,
0: Tatum. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Journalism major Matt Buckner is expelled from Harvard University after cocaine is discovered in his room. Though it belongs to his roommate Jeremy, Matt is afraid to speak up because Jeremy comes from a powerful family and is offered ten grand for taking the blame. Matt reluctantly accepts the money and uses it to visit his sister Shannon, her husband Steve, and their son Ben in London. There, Matt meets Steve's brother Pete, a teacher and football coach who leads the local football hooligan firm. Green Street Elite. Steve asks Pete to take Matt to a football match. Though Pete is reluctant to take a yank to a football match, he decides to take Matt to the game, thinking he might learn something. So this movie opens up with a fight. Two firms. Yeah. Well, uh, just first initial thoughts when this first started with a fight. Were you guys like, oh, here we go, or what the fuck is going on?
0: No. A little bit of both, I think.
2: No, I, I, I halfway expected that. Because I knew that the story was about fighting. And the fact that we jumped right into a fight, I I was not surprised by that.
1: Yeah. And I, the first thing I thought was, I like the grainy look. I like the independent feel, the way we're moving the camera and the way we're getting our shots. There's some good camera work in here. It might, it reminds me a lot of Guy Ritchie Snatch. It did, does.
0: Did the shaky camera ever get to you?
1: No. You there, there are movies that I can't take it. You know, but every so often there uh, are filmmakers that'll do it, and just at the moment where you think you can't take anymore, they'll stop. You know what I mean? Um, but no, this this didn't bother me too much.
2: Yeah, ha- having the shaky cam. You know, we had that uh, also with uh, with uh, Matt's first fight, where where he is thrust into uh, the brawl, and he is uh, hit to the ground. We get that uh, frenetic. Feeling, and I thought that it conveyed the mood well. You know that it, this is a, a fantastical. Oh fuck! What type of a seventh hole of hell have I fallen into? Yeah,
1: and, and doesn't the fight end with uh Pete headbutting somebody really viciously? Yeah, I think so. On like on top of a uh, phone, uh, phone booth. Yeah, yeah, and then so after that, we are introduced to. Matt, Elijah Wood's character. He's packing up. And for when it first cut to Elijah Wood, I thought he was getting fired from a job. That's what it looked like. Kind of, right? And so it turns out he's actually getting expelled from Harvard because they found some Colombian Bam Bam. And he was going to take the rap for this utter douchebag. Rich prick.
0: Oh. What was your impression of Matt when you first get to see
1: him? Um, kind of a, uh, uh, fuck what, what's the word I'm looking for? He was, uh, my first thought was ballless, ballless, uh, timid. Yeah. You know, my, that's my word as
2: well, that he's timid, he's sheepish and he doesn't have a backbone.
1: Right. Mm. And then, you know, that envelope of 10 grand that was sitting there, I guess if, if I were in his position, I probably would have done the same thing you know what i mean but the problem was i mean he was so close to graduating he was what they said like two weeks from was graduating. it two weeks or like two months or two it was months, two something two months, yeah. yeah yeah so he uh packs up and goes and then we get the credits so we had a kind of like a, a cold opening and um he goes to london and he goes to visit his sister
2: which is pretty much the only family we find out pretty soon that that's pretty much the only family that he has now is just his sister
0: he's got an estranged father who he tried to call i didn't realize at first that's who he was calling from his dorm room oh yeah yeah. but it's got an estranged father that's
1: been out of the picture and always working yeah who is also a journalist Mm -hmm. which will come into play later um but then we meet uh his sister shannon who's played by claire Filani. and this was that moment where i went oh fuck she's from all rats um and then we meet her husband Steve, Steve, which also
2: tells us that since they're meeting for the first time, that this is probably the first time that Matt has been to visit his sister. Yeah. And uh, they say that
1: years. Yeah. uh, He, Matt didn't go to the wedding, you know, after we find out that after his mom, after their mom died, she split and went to Europe. And this is the first time that they've seen each other in a long time, you know? So, I mean, Matt has nowhere else to go. He's got a pocket full of cash. And so why not? Why not go to fucking London?
0: Yeah, I guess at this point in the movie, he's looking for a place to belong. He's looking for a family. Oh, sure. uh, Someone to have his back, which is interesting because when we first kind of get, you know, the introduction with Matt and Shannon, did you notice that she didn't believe him? She wasn't on his side. She kept saying, you know, when he talked about the cocaine found in his closet and all that, she kept asking him, well, if you've got a problem, you know, you can
2: tell me.
1: Yeah, yeah. And he was like, is it? Or she was like, is it? Was it yours? And he was offended by it.
2: Well, I can understand why she thought that, because Matt didn't do anything to contest. Right. He just let
1: it happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just kind of washed it. He just rolled with it.
0: Yeah. What was your impression of her husband when you first met him?
1: I didn't know really what to think. He, I mean, I guess that those two were in love and they're married and they have a kid. And I think I found him standoffish.
0: I kind of thought he came off as a dick when we first.
2: Yeah,
1: a little bit, right? But, I mean, that just might be the way the English are
2: hmm well also think about you know he's coming home because he's all excited because he's gonna have a big night out with the wife only to find out wait we have a guest i didn't know that
1: true that true that and i mean it's not like they could kick the guest out but i hear what you're saying
0: piece of trivia what musical were they going to see
1: kinky boots
2: no they're they were going to the chicago concert Oh, was it
0: Chicago? Con- I thought they were going to see the Chicago musical. I
2: thought they were going to the Chicago concert. Okay, but well, either maybe, way, it was Chicago. So here he is. He's here for just a couple hours. And now he's being told, "Hey, could you get out of here? I'm gonna have a good night with a wife." Yeah, and then this is where we meet Pete immediately after that. Pete shows up, and he just he just sheds all kind of shade. Like, ugh, he's, he's not the good the good brother.
1: No, right. And uh, they got a match to go to, and Steve says, "Hey." Do me this favor, take uh, Shannon's brother with you. And, you know, to Steve's face, Pete's like, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And, but I knew as soon as they left the door, he was going to be, trying to be like, fuck off. Right? Like,
0: Give me the money and fuck
1: off. Right. And, and I, what'd you guys think of this interaction between the two? Before or after they leave the flat? After they leave the flat. After fucking loved it. Right? Fucking loved it
2: because there he is. Cops! And then he (laughs) takes a swing for the balls and his his foot is grabbed immediately. I
1: love what he says. How silly do you feel now? What are you going to do now? (laughs) Yeah. But he's like, uh, give me half the money. Fuck off. And at least he's only asking for half. True that. True that. And then I kept thinking, but if he doesn't give him any of the money, is this guy really going to beat him up to take it? Uh, Now, Matt's character might not have said a word had that happened, but I was thinking that's kind of extreme. Right. But as it turns out, Pete's like, all right, fuck it. I'll take you. He's mildly amused by him.
2: And interestingly enough, Matt seems to be cavalier enough to take his hand to pull him back up and seems to be no hard feelings.
1: Yeah. I love the whole, uh, uh, you don't fight very much. And he goes, well, I think that was my first fight. And Pete's like, you call that a fight? So, I mean, that was kind of, he, he showed some moxie, didn't do anything, but he showed some moxie he and Pete, Pete. Yeah. He impressed Pete a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah.
2: And then the very next thing we have, they're on the subway and he's trying to defend baseball to Pete.
1: I really enjoyed this scene because Pete was saying exactly what I was thinking. Elijah Wood is throwing all of this information about baseball and Pete's like, who fucking cares? It's baseball. And that's my sentiment. Exactly.
2: Well, he just claimed that, hey... The Red Sox have a pitcher that can pitch a ball over 90 miles an hour. Well, who the fuck cares? It just means he can wank off that much faster. That much
1: faster. I love that. That's a good line. Good line.
2: And then they're walking into the pub, and then we meet the boys.
1: Matt meets Pete's friends and his firm in their local pub, and they befriend Matt, with the exception of Pete's stubborn right-hand man, Bover, who takes an immediate dislike to Matt. A few pints in, and they head to the match. Afterward, Pete... Bover and the other firm members go off to fight some Birmingham City fans, but Matt decides that that's not for him and he heads to the train home. Matt is jumped by three Birmingham fans, but is rescued by some GSE members. Though grossly outnumbered, the GSE manages to fight off the Birmingham firm until reinforcements chase them off. Matt does well in his first true fight, is inducted into the GSE, and moves in with Pete. The GSE firm then heads to an away game against Manchester United. Matt ends up sneaking onto the train to help when they are warned that 40 Manchester United firm members are waiting for them at the station. Bover pulls the train's emergency stop handle, and at Matt's initiative, the firm persuades a van driver to take them into Manchester, posing as a moving equipment van for a film production. When past them, the GSE charge out to attack the United firm members. They win the fight and leave, taunting the United Firm. So as you were saying, Professor, uh, they get off the train, they go in, and I liked this scene as well because we had talked about, oh, you don't get to know the, the other GSE firm members. I wish they had more backstory. But I liked the bit where they were teaching him the English terms and what kind of met what because he was completely fucking lost because it really is a different language. You know what I mean? So I thought they did a good job of showing that, yeah, they're giving him shit because he's a yank, but, I mean, he's drinking pints with them and getting along with them, smoking cigarettes. What
2: would you think of Pete's backstory for Matt? Oh, that's what caused the bonding to happen with the group because once Pete lays down, you know, that he's the inspiration, you know, he... He's he's a a, black belt. He's a black belt, and he's responsible for the creation of the Karate Kid. And then what is... What does Matt do? He immediately backs that story without even blinking. Well, why? Why couldn't it be true? And then he and then he lays down and he goes in just as thick and deep as Pete laid it out. And they continue on, and that's the bond that begins to happen yeah. with the group.
1: I feel like you and I have done that several times.
2: Yeah. Name your sensei. Name your sensei.
1: And they're all Miyagi <laughs> and drinking to it and having a good old time. And then we meet Pete's right hand man, Bover. So, and we know that Bover's kind of a dick, right? I mean, he's kind of a brute, and he doesn't like Matt.
0: Well, I was trying to figure him out throughout the movie, and I didn't know if it was going to come out at some point of whether, because he kind of makes a mention, he doesn't like interlopers. He doesn't like anybody who's not part
1: of the group coming into the group.
0: Or was it more of like, he had a crush on Pete or something and didn't like that Matt was already getting so close to Pete.
1: I think he was very much threatened between uh, Pete and Matt's relationship, whether it was a crush or not, who knows. But I think that, uh, I mean, Pete even says that him and Bover have, they've trusted each other since primary school and Mm -hmm. they've always been in each other's lives. And so I think that, yeah. uh, And because Matt is family, I guess uh, Bover felt, extremely, extremely uh, insecure about that and intimidated.
2: One other point before we move too far forward, right before they go into the pub, there is a pivotal piece of information that is revealed through Pete that the only thing that's worse around here than Yanks are coppers and journalists. And this will be a, a very, very large issue in into the third act at the end of the second act of the movie. Sure.
1: <laughs> so they are done at the pub and they, they leave. They head off to the to the match and they start walking down the street and singing. Have you guys ever gone to the Sounders?
2: Oh yeah, I, I've been to
1: I've been to one Sounders game. Uh, had did you do the march to the match? No, I have not. Oh, I would go down with my cousins. Uh, they had season tickets way back when, and uh, my cousin Brett. We went down to the march of the match, march to the match. And it, it's almost just like that. You walk down the street, they're all singing and clapping and doing the cheer, and it, it's a very lively uh, and fun uh, experience. Yeah, I know. The but game- I could only imagine what it's like, uh, where it originated from. Yeah. You know what I mean?
0: I mean, I know, Professor, you said you've gone to one. I think I've gone to like three, and I'm still even lost with all the chanting and the singing during the game and, and the scarves and everything. So, yeah, it's a whole family. It's a whole, like, livelihood just going to these games.
1: So they go to the game, and it looks like they're having a good time. Uh, Bover even uh, – is this where he – Yeah, he okay. sneaks he taunts, onto the thing. Taunts the other group. So he sneaks on, gets a medic vest or whatever, and taunts the other group, which I guess is a baller thing to do because everyone's losing their shit about it. Um, but it's just so funny. And so the the match ends – and they're going to leave. And the GSE have decided they're already going to go in a brawl, right? It's uh, after the game. It's after the match. We're going to go fight these Birmingham fucks and all is going to be well, right? Because that's the life of the GSE. And my, Matt parts ways with them. Which I thought I would have done the same fucking thing, right? No shit. Uh, but then we cut to a couple of the members of the other firm spying that Matt leaves alone and uh, they. They follow him. And at that moment, I knew, oh, uh, Pete and the boys are going to circle around and and uh, catch up with him.
0: Did and you th- think Matt was going to get his ass kicked?
1: I, I did for a brief moment. But as soon as they put the credit card in his mouth, I'm like, oh, my God, that, fucking, that would fucking suck. Right? They call that a Chelsea grin. Yeah.
2: The credit card is used to cut both sides of the mouth. That's fucking harsh. And then what do you do after you get a Chelsea grin? You fucking yell your head off thus making the wound even worse. Yeah.
0: Backup comes in and saves Matt.
1: And Matt kind of proves himself, right? He goes in and he fights with him.
0: Well, I thought it was it was kind of a nice camera shot of him kind of running in and getting his first punch. Yeah. that he gets knocked down and kind of following. You could almost see on his face something click. And he even says it kind of later on, I think, in the movie, that it wasn't so much, you know, getting punched. It was getting punched and realizing you're not going to break, you're not going to shatter from one
1: punch, and you can still get back up. Yeah, but I loved his fighting style in the very beginning. Just, you said waving his arms.
0: I do think it's funny that he came out with his, you know, waving arms and slappy fists, and he actually hits the guy. He clocks the guy down. He
1: does, a, yeah. He. That's, what, that's that moment where he says, I, I kind of like this. You know right. what I mean? So, yeah. And it
2: displayed that somewhat frenetic camera work that I previously spoke about where it is the intensity of the moment that is so jarring. And I, I really appreciated that, that style of shooting to have us in the middle of the fight like that.
1: I think this also won the acceptance of the firm of Matt as a whole, right? Mm-hmm. Cause now he's one of them. You know what I mean?
2: At least he's, he's accepted into the inner circle, not necessarily one of them, but he's definitely accepted into the circle.
1: Right. In the process of becoming one of them. Could be.
2: So they head off to uh, Matt's place, and Shannon and Steve they are aghast as to how Matt looks.
0: Well, it's like the next day even too. So he's over at Pete's overnight. Yeah,
1: so it's the next morning, and they go back, and Pete has two black eyes, and Steve just looks at him, and Pete's like, "Don't fucking start. I don't want to hear it." And then they freak out over Matt's black eye. Matt's black eye, and this scene actually caught me by surprise. Uh, so Steve goes after Pete, they're kind of doing the brother tussle thing, and then Matt gets involved, and Steve throws him up against the fucking uh, wall with a chokehold.
0: Yeah, he grabs him by the neck. Yeah, I was In thinking... Front of Shannon.
1: Right, and I was thinking, what the fuck, does he hit her too? That's kind of where my mind went. Yeah. But... Um, I think it's that at that point I should have put two and two together, but I didn't. And so right. what's coming up later fucking right. shocked me. But anyways, uh, I was thinking, wow, this guy's a real dick. Right. And even if, after he lets him go, he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, what's Matt going to do? Of course he, he takes off and now he's going to start living with Pete.
0: I originally thought that this scene was going to be the end of Steve and Shannon. I thought that Shannon was going to leave him after seeing how abusive it was, or that's where the storyline was going to go is that, this is an abusive guy who's kind of a, you know, he's a dick and an abuser.
1: Yeah, but that would have had nothing to do with the story they were telling yeah. us. So it wasn't going that way.
2: And then from here, we get a bit of a crash course about what a firm is through Pete as they talk over getting some breakfast.
1: I love how he says, uh, I love how Matt says, so it's a gang? And Pete's kind of like, "Yeah, yes, kind of, but there's more to it, I guess. But in its simplest terms... It is a fucking gang. That's all it really is.
2: Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. So, but but there is a sense of honor in a in in a way, and it's about having a reputation that is favorable, where they don't have people that are shooting blindly or uh, killing children, and it's more about having a, a good story to tell or to have the knowledge that you stood you stood tall, you you stood your ground and you didn't shirk away from, you know, a a difficult
1: task. Right. And and we come to find out that all the GSE and all the firms, all it is about is your reputation. Mm -hmm. That's all it's about. And so uh, I thought that was kind of fascinating too.
2: I want to talk a little bit more because we have added friction that happens the next time Bover sees Matt and Pete together at the pub. And we realize now, as an audience, that this problem isn't going to go away, and it's only going to continue to degrade the relationship between Bover and Pete. And then after this moment, uh, Matt goes back to his sister, and he's grabbing his stuff, and this is where they have a bit of a bit of a, a shouting match with each other. And I, I really dug the line that Matt says. You know, he, he says, "You ran to another fucking country when Mom died." But then we see this gentleness wash across Elijah Wood's face and we get that tenderness that comes back and then he says a very gentle I'm sorry to her and then they hug. And I I thought that that was an important moment to have in the movie to show that these two are still connected and bonded to each other despite the fact that she wants Matt to have nothing to do with Pete because he is only going to be bad news for Matt.
1: Right, and then the fact that he still leaves, you know, but he doesn't leave on bad terms, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Uh, by having that conversation, they kind of work it out for that moment, you know. We also find out that uh, this is kind of the bit where we find out that these guys have regular jobs, and so Pete takes Matt to soccer practice, sorry, football practice, and uh, I love, he says, uh, the Yankees is going to play goalie. And we'll see what happens, well, right? And, I
0: like when he introduces them and he first tells them he
1: also thinks baseball is better than soccer. Right.
0: Which our <laughs> just really gets those kids riled yeah. up.
1: Uh, man after my own heart, right? Uh, but I like how he says, uh, when he tells him to go play goalie, he says, is this even going to be fair? What, should I let one or every other one go in? And Pete laughs at him because he knows what's about to happen. And so that this was a fun scene. I like this one.
0: Regarding this soccer match with the kids, uh, did you know that several of those kids playing on that field went on to become professional football players?
1: No, I had no clue.
0: Yeah, yeah a one of them did. Yeah, one of that kid that did the, the cartwheel or whatever it was. Yeah, the ending goal. Yeah, he became one of the biggest players.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, watching Elijah Wood play goalie made me think of someone else too. Me. <laughs> Dude, I probably would have been the same fucking way. Hey. Goal is fucking hard, man.
0: I have a trophy from a soccer team. Uh, Playing on a soccer team.
1: Participation?
0: No, we, we won the championship. Participation. participation. <laughs> of course, it was like, I think, first grade. Yeah. Which exactly. was the last time I think I was on a sports team, but yeah.
2: <laughs> I also like the moment just before the soccer match when they're up on the rooftop drinking a couple of fosters. And uh, Matt goes ahead and says, I am history, teaching, uh, I'm studying history. Right, because right,
1: he can't believe that fucking uh, Pete is a teacher.
2: Oh, and that's what, right after that. And so he goes, oh, I teach history. You teach? I love the way he says,
1: you teach? Yeah.
2: And he's just completely
1: floored by it. And he's like, you cheeky slag. Yes. I, I guess it, at this point, I was also thinking, why lie about it? You you're having a conversation. Yes, you can say, "I was a journalism major." He, they know how they feel about the jurnos, which I get, and was which is why he did lie, of course. But you know, I would think at that moment in their relationship or that point in their relationship that Matt could have explained and Pete would have accepted it. Well,
0: one of the things that I was a little confused about, or you know, maybe it's just because we don't know more of the story, is that. Obviously, you know, Steve and, and Pete are brothers. You think Pete would know something about Shannon and know maybe a little bit about her background that her father is a journalist? Oh, I doubt that. And maybe she would have mentioned at some point
2: my brothers in journalism school. You think they would have kept all that hidden? I think that I think that Steve knew that her dad was a journalist. Steve yeah, knew, I, but yeah, why yeah he, I don't, I, why would
1: Pete know? I don't think Pete would know.
2: I know, you know, all about my my brother's father-in-law.
1: Yeah, but I'm pretty sure you guys have a healthy relationship.
2: And let's look at Steve's past.
1: That is nothing but trouble. Yeah. Right. So, it doesn't shock me. Um, but Steve knowing makes complete sense because that's his father-in-law, mm-hmm. right?
2: But I, I think this rooftop scene also leads us into the soccer scene. This is an important moment in the movie because it shows a definite human side to Pete. And he's not just, you know, a a, a, a bad seed, if you will, that he does have redeeming personable qualities.
1: You know, it's funny that you say that it, it, it's this scene that shows us this. Uh, in my opinion, you know what scene shows that to me for Pete? Is after that first match and they're going to go get in the fight and Pete looks at him and says, go home. He's protecting him. He doesn't, Mm -hmm. I think that shows him that he does have a heart and that he does care at some point. Mm -hmm. But I I see what you're saying. Either way, he's, he's not as bad as we're led to believe. This whole thing with, you know, Pete
0: being a teacher and as we mentioned before, you know, one of them being a pilot and all that, it reminds me of another fight movie, which is Fight Club, where we have all these guys who just love to brawl, but during the day, they all have real life, let, and real jobs. Let, let
1: me stop you right there. First rule of Fight Club is we're not talking about Fight Club. What's the second rule of Fight Club? I got a better question. Um.
0: Well, the other thing I was going to just mention was is that
1: you're breaking the fucking rule. I'm not talking about Fight Club. Oh, you're not. No,
0: I was going to mention you are right now that just like that movie, that we will not mention. Well, you're still talking about it. These people go to work and I'm sure Pete goes to school or whatever to teach with black eyes oh, sure. and bruises. But and in that community. Kind of but in that
1: community and in that lifestyle at that time, I'm sure it was completely normal.
2: Yeah. Just I mean, these
1: footballers are fucking serious fucking man. people, man.
2: They're just, you know, ultra fans. Yeah. Yeah. Back up to the meeting of Tommy. Who the fuck is Tommy? Tommy is Tommy's our an- the bad guy. He's our antagonist that leads Millwall. Um Bover he gets pissed off and he storms out. And he jumps on the bike, rides over to Millwall, and he's sitting there having a meal across the street from the pub. And then
1: I thought that was after.
2: And then Tommy and his group come into come into the cafe, and they spot Bover, and they go over and they sit down and they start talking to him. And and this is the first time. And then you have the young couple, the guy and the gal, and and she she is told a couple of times to be quiet by Tommy and then shut we, your mouth and then and then we see the ruthlessness of Tommy in this moment that he is a bad motherfucker
0: yeah well one thing i thought was interesting about you know Tommy and Bolver kind of meeting and i didn't realize this until i did a little background research in the movie was that Tommy and Bolver used to be friends and i guess some of the dialogue reveals that that Tommy or Bolver used to be a fan of the other team and was friends with Tommy and that's why they don't like each other anymore because Bover is a traitor.
1: I I, I caught that they knew each other for some reason. For a split second, I almost thought that Bover was his son. Mm -hmm. Um, But then we find out later that he's not. But I knew that they knew each other, which is the only reason why he didn't get destroyed in that cafe. So there must have been something back in the day that stopped Tommy from absolutely killing this guy. Because right? he knows he's Pete's right-hand man. Uh, he knows he's all about the GSE. And this this scene that you're talking about, Professor, in this diner w- reminded me of a lot of mob movies. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I, the bit where he just starts beating the shit out of the guy because the girl won't stop talking, I chuckled. I mean, what does that say about me?
0: <laughs> Did that kind of give you a peshy feeling? A mob. Yeah, I
1: mean, it could have been De Niro. Pesci, uh, fucking Brando. It could have been any of them. You know what I mean? The Sopranos. It actually really reminded me of The Sopranos. Oh, sure. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
2: <clears throat> and so now we're on the train, and Matt ends up coming along because he thought it was just going to be the three of them. But it turns out that it was the usual GSE crew. Right. And then we get the news from... Uh, What's the guy... Oh. Dave, we get the news from Dave, the airline pilot guy, and he says that there's like forty of them waiting. It's like, oh
1: fuck. Yeah, and uh, and then uh, doesn't uh, Matt says, well, we can get off at the next stop, and then they're like, no, dipshit, this is an express train. It's going right to Manchester, and that's when Bover stops the train. Stops the train.
0: An interesting thing I thought with this scene uh, was this is where we're really starting to get to see the change in Matt in that normally like the normal Matt, the original Matt from the beginning of the movie, wouldn't have gotten on that train. He would have just gone off and done something else.
1: But no, he knew he was getting on a train to pretty much go and fight. Yeah, I mean, but that's the point of the story. It's his arc. Mm -hmm. And I thought the fact that you could, and Elijah Wood does such a good job of conveying that emotion in his face. Like when Pete was saying like, no, you stay here, you can't go, you can't go. And he's like, but there's only three of you, blah, blah, blah. You could see it in his face that he wasn't going to let it go. He Mm -hmm. was going to get on that train because he's loyal. He's found something that he thinks that he wants to belong to a new family. Yeah. And so he's loyal. So I I thought that was great. And I liked the bit where they do stop the train. They get off and they're trying to figure out how to.
2: They sneak through the blockade. That was really clever. That was usually clever.
1: Yeah. And I love that. uh, Matt was Matt wasn't driving, but Matt did all the talking because he's a yank. Right. So why wouldn't they believe it? And they didn't know his face. That's right. And so they get through the blockade. What actress did they mention? Uh, Cameron Cameron Diaz. Diaz. Cameron Diaz. And uh, Rupert. uh, No, no, no. Hugh Grant. Hugh Hugh Grant. Grant. It was a Hugh Grant and Cameron Diaz flick. All right, boys. allow them (laughs) through. And they go through. And uh, it's the Trojan horse, right? They get behind them and they have this big brawl. And I think it's this bit. I don't think it was the first fight. I think it's after this fight when they win, which apparently became legendary. Uh, this is where Bover is, rubs, cut, rubs head. Uh, Matt's head. Like, it good is, job. Is, this was. It is after this. Yeah, scene. and, and
0: I really thought that now they were okay.
1: I did too for a
2: moment, but no, not so much. And then the police show up, break it up, and then the GSE they get away and they get to the corner. And they all turn around looking incredibly bloody and there's a famous GSE. Oh gosh, so satisfying to have them just looking all bloodied and, and just, you know, yelling their, their chant back at them as they're all being arrested.
1: Yeah, that was a uh, David versus Goliath moment, right? You had 40 of these fuckers waiting for him and they came out on top using ingenuity from... A wank. Yeah. A yank.
0: And it's funny, because then he gets that nickname, the yank. Everyone's talking about the yank.
1: Right, yeah, yeah. And then it, it kind of... We have this montage-ish of... Yes, exactly. Uh, ...of the passing time after that. And uh, Elijah narrates it, kind of, and he says, uh, you know... um
2: The GSE, they rise in respect, and and Matt is embraced, finally, as one of their own. And so now... He's thought of as one of the best firms in London. And this montage that uh, that is shown to us, it's done by a song, I Want to Be Adored. And I thought it played so beautifully. It it, it was a very, very good montage. Yeah. So as this is happening to Matt, we are able to see Matt's confidence rise dramatically. And John alluded to something talking about uh, that you're not, going to break like glass and when we are listening to matt uh, narrate he says you don't feel alive unless you're pushing yourself as far as you can go and so this is the high point the zenith if you will for matt's character that he has finally found his backbone and he is able to stand tall on his own two feet for probably the first time in his life yeah how much time and
0: I, i was having a problem with this how much time do you think passes throughout this whole movie Months.
2: You think it's months? Well, you figured that there's probably a match during the season,
1: one a week? Oh, maybe a month.
2: Well, I was trying to figure it out because in the beginning,
0: you know, he's got his roommate in college uh, who's, you know, he's getting expelled and everything. And the roommate's on the phone and all that. And at the end, the roommate looks like he has a job at some big company.
1: He could still do that and go to school.
0: Okay. I was wondering. I was trying to figure that out and it was making big sales. So was it like months? Was it like six months? Was it. Just a month? Was it a few weeks? It was time
2: passed. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and so right after this, dad shows up. And so they go out to lunch and, and uh, dad, at first he's really pissed, but eventually he does sort of settle down. And, and Matt is able to settle down and kind of sort of listen to his dad a little bit once his dad stops pushing for what he wants. Right. Did you feel like this whole dad subplot
0: storyline was even necessary in the movie? I understand that we had to have Bolver and other people or whoever saw him, it was Dave or someone saw them going into the newspaper, you know, building together. But why did we need this? I mean, we knew the father was a dick, we knew the father was absentee, we knew the father was a journalist. Did we need the interaction with the father?
1: I don't think so. I don't think it affects the story at all. I, what it does do is conveniently set up this guy who sees it, who can report back to the firm, yeah. who can then cause trouble. Mm-hmm. That's the so, the only thing I could think of. Which would have all, all been avoided if had he not lied about being a history teacher mm-hmm. and just had a conversation with the guy. That he was majoring in history, yeah. Right. Jealous of Matt's rise in the ranks, Bover talks to Tommy Hatcher, the head of the GSE's rival firm, the NGO. After one of the members of the GSE sees Matt meeting his father, a journalist for the Times, for lunch, they assume Matt is a journo as well. Bover informs Pete of this. Steve goes to the Abbey to warn Matt and discovers that Steve is the founder and former leader of the GSE, the Major who retired from football hooliganism after witnessing the death of Tommy's 12-year-old son in a fight. Bover secretly informs Tommy and the Millwall firm of Steve's presence. Pete angrily confronts Matt in the bathroom over his identity as a journo. The Millwall firm crashes the abbey and petrol bombs the bar. Tommy confronts Steve and stabs him in the neck with a broken bottle, telling him that if he dies tonight, then they are even. Bover who had been knocked unconscious by Tommy's right-hand man upon arriving, helps get Steve to the hospital where Pete slams Bover for his betrayal. Shannon decides to return to the United States to ensure the safety of her family. So we got to the part where, uh, you know, the dad comes, and you're right, the dad was a dick, right? And I guess he's trying to make up for it, and...
0: Well, they made, they made him out to be this horrible, horrible guy, and he just... Seem like a distant father, just a
1: right. Does that make him horrible? No, he just chose journalism. I guess, I guess. But like I was saying earlier, now we get that really convenient moment where one guy sees Matt at the Times. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, he does give us one other thing, which is he is pushing Matt to go back to Harvard and right the wrong that
1: has been committed, right. Right. But at this moment, Matt doesn't quite have that moxie yet.
0: Well, I don't know if it's he doesn't have that moxie. I think that he is so embedded in, you know, being part of the GSC that this is his family now. You know, the father and the sister really aren't his family anymore. The GSC is. And that's what he wants to make his life now. He doesn't care about Harvard. He doesn't care about going back and,
2: you know, righting the wrongs. He just wants to be a hooligan. Yeah, maybe. Well, also, this is the first time that I think that he has felt a sense of camaraderie as well as a a place to belong. Before, Mm -hmm. I don't think that his character arc had that because his father wasn't around, his mother is dead, his sister is on another continent, and now that he is out of Harvard, he is wandering. He He has no place to put himself down.
1: And so once Bover finds this information out, he goes over to Pete's because he wants to tell him right away, this guy is a fuck, right? And I like what Pete says to him before he even walks into the door to Bover. He says, you better be fucking sure about this because if you're not, it's either him or you, right? Ultimately is what he's saying.
2: More or less. Yeah,
1: and so he goes in, they go through his background, and conveniently we find the journal, which we knew that was going to come back. And his term paper. And uh, they find out that he's uh, a journalist, but they think that he's writing against them. Right, and he's reporting against them. Right, and I well, I just felt like this whole that whole plot, that whole subplot, I don't know if we just, I don't know. In the meantime, Steve finds
2: out from Shannon that Matt was majoring in journalism, and this compels him to go and find Matt before shit hits the fan.
1: Before anyone else finds him, that's right. And this is the moment where uh, we find out who Steve really was. It kind of humanizes really is. him. It
0: what? That the whole conversation with Matt really humanizes Steve. And actually, almost 180 changes my opinion of him.
1: Uh, mine too. Mine too. Because once we find out, and I did not see this coming. And I like to pride myself on seeing things coming in movies. That's kind of what I do. Um, I didn't see coming that Steve was actually the major I just assumed that the major had died years ago or in a brawl fight or whatever Mm -hmm. it was. But it turns out that Steve was the major. And he's talking to Matt saying, you know, this life was great. This life was fun. uh, But something happened. And then we get the story of Tommy's son. And then that rival, was it Millwater? What's it called? Millwall. Millwall. The fight between Millwall and... um, The GSC. The GSE uh, resulted in a death of a twelve-year-old son. So
0: you know that. They, conven- they conveniently don't tell us who killed Tommy's son. They just say he was killed. He well, it looked, looked like he stomped. it looked it looked
1: like he was trampled. I don't know if
0: he was trampled or someone stomped on his head. What's the difference? One's
1: you know, unintentional. One's intentional. Tommy didn't care. Doesn't matter. Yeah. He's still dead. Yeah. Right? Um, I thought for some reason that uh. Steve did it, but he didn't. They, no, they, made, they made it a point to show us that he did. He, yeah, witnessed, he witnessed it. Yeah, 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 thing. yeah.
2: yeah. And, that and, was, and that was his last day, or that was his last match that he went to.
1: Right, because then a little bit sometime after that, he meets Shannon, and she says, uh, the life for me. Yeah, it's them or me. And he picked her. They had a family, and he got out. He got out of the
0: mob. He made a promise that he would never go back. Otherwise, she would leave him. Right.
1: And so now he sees that her brother's getting involved. And on top of that, that he's a fucking journalist or major. Um, He had to do something. Right? Yeah. And so I I appreciated this bit because it was like everybody it was like one of those bits in those movies where everybody found out and we as the audience knows and the main character doesn't know and he's going to get blindsided and it's going to be really bad mistaken identity someone's going to get killed and blah 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 but no they threw it out right as we found out so did all of the characters and then Pete comes to the pub they have a chance to talk and I just appreciated it about this bit. Well Pete hits Matt first. A toast to Stevie Dunham. They almost got out. They almost got out,
2: and then they got stuck with the pints. And then that's where we hear the story, and then immediately after that, the GSE shows up, and we finally get to the bottom of the whole journal thing.
1: And so while this is happening, Bover is, he calls Tommy. He's being a dick. Yeah, he, well, he's being a hurt little boy is what he's doing. And, uh... He tells the Millwall firm that everyone's at the GS or the GSE's at the Abbey, and the Yank is, is a journo,
2: the and, Yank, and yep. the Major is at the pub.
1: This is your time for revenge, you know. Um, <laughs> what did you guys think of, real quick, when, every, when uh, all the windows broke, and it looked like those guys ninja hopped? into the How the fuck did they do that? Okay, so I wasn't the only one, right?
0: No. Well, the funny thing is, is uh, just the night before I had watched Christmas Vacation. And there's a scene in Christmas Vacation where these SWAT teams come in through the windows almost identical to how they come into the pub. So, it kind of made me chuckle. Yeah,
1: I was like, "What the fuck?" But, you know, we get a uh we get a brawl and Oh, uh, it's more than a brawl, man.
2: They, t- they set the place on fire.
0: Yeah, I mean, they were upset. One of the things I had gotten from all of these brawls that we'd seen before this is, and something that I think you talked about earlier, Don, is there's a little bit of honor in these brawls. You know, they go just to fist fight, fight. Once the fight's done, they walk away. Uh, Tommy has no honor after the death of his son. I mean, he takes that, that bottle and just jabs Steve
1: right in the neck with it. And the the fucking line that he he delivers is pretty fucking hardcore, right? Your death tonight makes us even. Yeah, I mean, he's out to kill. He's out for blood. I thought he was dead. I thought they were going to kill Steve. That's what I thought, too, Mm. that he's going to die tonight. Right. But he doesn't. He gets uh, Bover immediately feeling remorse and, like, he betrayed, tries to make up for it. You know what I mean? It gets them to the hospital, whatever. Uh, But Pete's not having it. it. Pete pretty much tells them you're fucking dead to me right
0: i was reading an interesting uh thing that there's a lot of symbolism in this movie that uh the director purposely put certain things in uh to give the audience a chance i don't know give the audience a little bit of like symbolic uh interpretations of things did you notice that when they were waiting for information on steve that bulver was lighting a lighter up you know off over and over again. Yes, mm-hmm. and that's meant to symbolize his self-reflection that he was trying to figure out what he had done and you know how horrible, how low he had sunk. At the same time, did you notice what Pete was doing? He had that broken styrofoam cup, and he kept trying to put the cup back together, which I guess was supposed to symbolize him trying to figure out how to put the GSE back together.
2: Yeah, sure. Yeah, because he he gave it um, he gave a a powerful speech to Matt in. In the bathroom after uh, after all that shit went down, I, I really liked what he said there. If I don't convince those boys that the head of their firm was not just taken in by a fucking yank journal, the GSE is done. So I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna tell them that Bob's got it wrong and that you're
1: one of us, and I had better be fucking right. Anytime he does that kind of speech, because that's like the second time he does that, you know, you better be fucking sure. But it's the fact that he's willing to do it. I I dug that about Pete. That's a great moment in the bathroom too. Very much so. Yeah. Very much so. Throughout this movie, you talk about the
0: different speeches he gives. You can feel he is a born leader. I mean, he is natural
2: at it. Oh, he was. I like the moment when Shannon finally shows up at the hospital and she spots Pete, Pete stands there, and then when she gets to him, and she just starts slapping the crap
1: out of him. And he just takes it.
2: And he just stands there and does nothing, and he just
1: lets her slap the crap out of him for Excellent. as long as she wants. Exactly what I would have done. I mean, no shit. Yeah, I mean, he had, there, there's nothing, nothing he could possibly say. Mm-hmm. Nothing he could possibly do except for stand there and, and take, take, take it. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he does. Because he's an honorable guy. Hooligan or not, I think he's an honorable guy.
0: What do you think of Shannon and Steve's interaction when he wakes up?
1: Uh, well, I thought for fucking sure he was dead. So him living, I'm like, uh-oh. But, um, you know, she's like, uh, well, someone who says to go to America or go home? Well,
0: she, like, in the beginning, she's, like, all lovey and you know i'm so you know glad that you're okay kind of thing the impression uh, and then she says i'm going to Amer- i'm going to boston or something yeah, like that
1: to protect her family yeah and
0: yeah. so i'm wondering does that mean that she wants steve to come along or is she leaving whether he's going or not
1: at that moment i think she's leaving for her safety and the rest of it'll get taken care of in the wash
0: yeah cuz i know steve had said if i ever get involved in it again She said she's leaving me and I'm thinking he really didn't get involved. He got pulled in. So it's really not his fault. No, 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 no. He he,
1: yes, he was trying to save her brother, which I would think gives him a pass for doing that.
0: So I'm hoping that you know we don't get it I guess there's two sequels after this movie and we don't get any more information. But I'm hoping what this meant was maybe Steve followed her to America.
1: I'm gonna say yes. If it makes you like the movie more. Then, yes, he followed her to America. Not only did he follow her to America, you know what? He got a football club named after Pete. Well, that's my
0: my other thought was is that the death of Pete had the same effect that Tommy's child death had to him that maybe Steve then got back into the
2: life.
1: Oh, for fuck's sakes. Who cares? I
0: don't know. It could be an interesting way. I'd love to see that resolved.
1: Okay, so. Okay, you hold your breath. And we'll see what comes first.
2: So the way that I took that moment, that interaction for me, I think that when the two of them hold hands, she says that I am still with you and he is ready to still be with her. And he wants very much to continue to have what he has with her. And when she says that I'm leaving tomorrow, she is doing that for the safety of her and her son. And it is not about him being left by her But she has to leave now because it is no longer safe at home.
1: The two firms meet near the Millennium Dome the next day for a final brawl. Matt and Bover show up to fight for the GSE, but Shannon turns up with Ben and is subsequently attacked in her car by Tommy's right-hand man. Matt and Bover come to their rescue. Pete notices that Tommy is approaching the car and goads him by saying Tommy is to blame for his son's death by having failed to protect him. Tommy snaps and tackles Pete to the ground, eventually beating him to death. Everyone on both sides gather around Pete's dead body in shock. Matt returns home to the United States and confronts the now wealthy and successful Jeremy in a restaurant, who is snorting cocaine. Jeremy admits to being the cocaine stash's owner, and as he is about to leave, Matt pulls out a tape recorder. Horrified that Matt has declared his confession as a ticket back to Harvard, Jeremy lunges at him. But Matt fends off Jeremy with a ease. As a victorious Matt walks down the street outside the restaurant, he sings, I'm Forever Blowing Bubbles, the anthem of the GSE and their associated club, West Ham United. Roll credits. So, yeah, we have to have this final brawl. Heads must roll for what happened at the Abbey.
2: Pretty what amazing. happened to the Major, yeah.
1: Yeah, well, that was at the Abbey.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And so then the guys go and see Shannon and she is packing up and he and Matt, he wants to, he wants to stay and, and Pete says, no, you got to go. And I really like the speech that, that Pete gives to Matt. He, He says, Matt, listen to me. It's time to go home. I don't know where my home is anymore. Well, then we both know where it ain't, where it ain't, where it ain't. Yeah. I I really dug that.
1: It was kind of a kick to the balls, a little bit. He doesn't fucking listen. No.
0: But the person that really, really bothered me in this whole last act of this movie is Shannon.
1: Why go to the fight? First of all,
0: why show up to the fight? Second of all, why bring a baby to the fight? All kinds of shit's going down there. She's got to be at least familiar with some, you know, the violence news and all that.
2: Maybe she's just not thinking straight. Maybe she should leave the baby home alone. Or maybe just not gone. It would have been safer. Maybe she worried about Matt, her brother.
1: She, She was, and that's ultimately why she went. But in the grand scheme of things, not the smartest idea. No.
2: Well, she's freaked out, right? Her husband is in the hospital, and she is moments away from leaving For America, and then she's supposed to have Matt by her side, family being safely huddled away, only to have him run off at the last second?
1: Yeah, I I suppose.
0: I could also see it in that no one would expect one of these hooligans to attack a woman and a baby. Oh, no, I,
1: I fucking expect that
0: 100%. I don't think I would expect, because they did say that they have some honor, and usually it's them just about the sports teams and fighting. And yeah, whatever. but
1: no, it, it, you're right. It is, but not for this particular instance. Yeah. They are still holding the major responsible for Tommy's son's death.
0: But I don't think Shannon would have known that.
1: No, of course she wouldn't have known that. Yeah. But my point is, wouldn't have mattered. Mm-hmm. They would have beat her up, killed her, and oh, the yeah. kid too. No, so. I know
0: they would have, but I'm just saying yeah. Shannon might have shown up thinking she would be safe.
1: No, I don't think she thought that at all either. She's been part of the life, or she knew the life.
2: I also dug the, uh, the setting for the day of the fight because it starts out with a quiet, calm morning before the GSE gets together, and we get to see each one of our characters, how they are quietly, uh, I guess you could say, stealing themselves for the coming
1: events of the day. Yeah. It reminded me a little bit of The Outsiders, the rumble. Mm -hmm. I mean, this was very much a Rumble-esque type of scene. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But daytime, so we could see what was going on. So we appreciated that.
2: I I want to address Matt joining the group, how he is all of a sudden not there. Shannon can't find him. And then we see Matt running as fast as he can, and he finally joins up with the GSE, and he works his way right up to the front. And Matt doesn't say anything to him, just gives a little nod of his head, and... Pete returns it. And then Dave on the other side puts his arm around his shoulder. Glad to have you with us. And they continue on. Yeah, because there was no talking
1: him out of it, right? Even though Pete said, go the fuck home, blah, blah, blah. Um, I like that bit too when he's running through and making his way up.
2: As this happens, then we have uh, a song beginning and it's called One Blood. And that song plays pretty much throughout the, uh, the, the rumble, if you will and there is no dialogue after this we just listen to the lyrics of the song as the two groups collide and i i really dug the uh, the camera style the camera work that we got in this the the first fight that we see matt in that's the that's the you know the herky jerky the second fight that we see matt in it's no longer herky jerky we cut back and forth between the police monitors and then the fight actually happening and then in this final fight we have the fight happening with um, a bunch of fast action and then slow motion. Fast action, slow motion, and we see that several times. And I dug that camera work style to uh, convey the intensity in that slow motion, in those slow motion moments that are woven in to the fast and slow and the fast and slow. Yeah, yeah. Do you think there was any point
0: to us seeing that? I don't know if you noticed this, but the GSE were fighting mainly with their fists. Whereas, uh, was it the Millwall team? Uh, Millwall firm, all you know a lot of them had weapons that they either had brass knuckles, Tommy pulls out that baton thing. It's like, you know, they're without honor. Did you kind of notice that at all? Sure.
2: Well, they are notorious, right? And, mm-hmm. and Tommy certainly is, is a shitty person. And what did we not see any of in any of these fights that would absolutely show up in fights like this in the USA, guns, guns, guns and knives. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, they don't, they don't do that. Well, what's fucking worse, a knife or a fucking lead pipe? Both pretty fucking destructive.
0: Well, we have to remember too that in the UK, aren't guns illegal?
1: Yeah, guns are are tightly monitored. Right, but I see what you're saying. In a in a gang fight in America, we would definitely see guns mm-hmm. for sure, because mm-hmm. people are pussies and they can't fight with their fucking fists.
2: Yeah, so. Tommy and Pete, they go at it. And then who shows up in the middle of the fight?
1: Bover. And I like what Pete says. Shannon and them are there, and uh, what's his name? Tommy's going to go after him. And Pete looks at Bover and says, you protect them, and we're good. I think that Tommy character is a fucking bitch for using the fucking baton thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's a big, brawly fucking dude. He couldn't go one-on-one with Pete. And he breaks Pete's leg. And his fucking arm. Yeah. He fucking beats him down. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But he sees that he can't stop him and Tommy goes toward the
2: car. Well, actually it wasn't Tommy. It's like his brother because Well, that's who first goes towards the car. Tommy Right. Tommy he's he's dressed all dark and then and then this other guy that looks just like Tommy, he's wearing a tan jacket.
1: Right. But Tommy does make his way to the car because he does. Pete stops him.
0: Yeah. You know. And he makes it fully clear he's going to kill the kid, because a kid
1: for a kid. Yes, absolutely. Oh yeah. We know this. He tells the audience. He tells the whole fucking world this. And uh Pete only has one move here. Diversion. Get his attention and see what happens. And at this point I knew what was coming. And I was Did thinking, you know did you know Pete was gonna die? Oh, yeah, at this point I did. Yeah, I knew that they were just gonna, because what he said, you know, um, it's your responsibility, it's your fault, and I kind of got to agree with Pete at this moment, right? Mm-hmm. Who takes a twelve year old to a fucking rumble? No shit. Okay. Anyways, moving on. Um, so this Tommy character lands up beating Pete to death. He pummels him. And to then death. the rest of the firm. Sees what's going on. Both sides. Both sides. Right. 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 And it brings it brings everything to a halt. Right. Because they pull them off of them, and then everyone's just standing around shocked.
0: Again, I know you you don't really care what happens these characters afterwards. Do you think anything happened to Tommy? Do you think he got arrested? Do you think things just went back to the way they were? I think he won an
1: all expense paid trip to Zimbabwe. Okay.
0: Disneyland doesn't matter to the story. No. Okay. Not at all. I don't know. That was one of my, I don't know, my dislikes about the movie is that we don't really get, I mean, we get a little bit of closure with Matt, but we really don't get to know what kind of happened. And, and I, I wanted to know a little bit more in the ending.
2: So you're sort of invested in these characters yeah, now. I did start. I, got well, in, I thought he didn't
0: like them. No. I said I got invested with Pete and I got invested with Matt. And I said those were the but two. But you
1: want to know what happened to Tommy.
0: And I... Yeah, I'd like to know a little bit, but I want to know more <laughs> what happened to Matt. But uh, I would have liked, you know, I wasn't invested in Tommy, but I want to know what the closure was to the movie.
1: You saw the closure to the movie? That he beat him to death and walked away? No, the closure to the movie is Matt walking away.
0: Yeah, but we don't know did he get back into Harvard?
1: I got a better question. Who cares? I know. I care. That's Why? Why do you care? Because.
0: The evidence that he gathered in the end scene was very wishy-washy. He taped him without knowing. The guy even said, I'm in the office taking a meeting. I'm in the office taking a meeting. There was no proof he was doing cocaine. He was just making the noises. He heard that loud and clear. He could have said, I, I had an irritant. I had an allergy. The, the tape recording was so wishy-washy. A family with money could easily beat that in court. So it was the ending to me was very weak. Well, well there you go.
1: Okay. You
0: you thought it was just case closed. He's getting back in Harvard.
1: Uh, I didn't care if he was going back to Harvard. That wasn't the point. The point point was was he was standing up for himself. That was the fucking point.
0: And and I got that. And I appreciate it. Well, clearly
1: you didn't because you wanted to know did he go back to Harvard? Who did he marry? Did they have kids? And yes, they all became footballers. And then one was named Pete. (laughs) Okay. But but we (laughs) had. The dog was named Pete. uh, But we had left. Called the dog Indiana.
2: But we had left it at the moment where Pete has just died and everybody is standing around looking down at his dead body. And at this point, this is where we get some piano music starting. And there's no dialogue during the piano. And, and then we see that Steve has been given the bad news about his brother as we see him trying to tear out his, his tube out of his arm and such. And then he ends up, you know... Uh, ugly crying into, you know, his buddy's shoulder. Oh, but right before that, the camera shot before that, we have Shannon in the car and we have a profile of her face and she looks like she's about ready to cry. And then we go to Steve, ugly crying, and then we go back to Shannon and now she has a long tear that has gone down her face. And I feel like At that moment, in a way, it's almost like that she is crying over Pete's death as well, besides Steve also crying for it, and that they are still united. Once, As I was saying before, that they are still together. And then the shot after that is we see the car heading to the airport, and it says Heathrow Airport, two miles. Yeah. Anyway, I just thought that the third act had some really strong camera work to it. And then from there, we go back to Boston.
1: Yeah. And I like this bit because uh, as soon as Jeremy makes an attempt to get physical with uh, Matt, I'm thinking, dude, he just got back from being He's going to beat the shit out of you. (laughs) And he probably could have. Well, he doesn't know that. Well, no, I know he doesn't know that. But I, as the audience member, does. And I was I was kind of hoping he'd hit him, too. But, you know, is what it is. We got what we got. Um, And so Matt gains his confidence finds his drive uh, is attempting to get back into Harvard who knows if it worked or not not the point. The point is that he got his he got his groove back. Um,
0: One thing I appreciate about this is that they say for any good journalist you need some hard living you need something you know to experience that you can draw from and I think this whole experience, going to make Matt a hell of a
1: journalist. Oh, I agree 100%. Yeah, they say uh, you write from experience. Well, yeah, he's
2: he, he learned, you know, to have temerity, that he, he now knows that he can dig deep into himself and he can rely on himself. And I really appreciated the camel work that we have when we're in the restroom as he confronts, uh, as he confronts uh, Van Holden. And, you know, you said you were going to hook me up. Right? And then as, as he finally gets that, yes, okay, fine, I'll hook you up. And then when he plays back the recorder and he's got that little smile on his face and he's like, what the fuck is this? Oh, this? It's my ticket back to Harvard. Yeah. And then we get that moment where Matt, his, we get that close-up shot of Matt with his fist raised. And what I really dug about that was this complete dominance of the moment that is reflected on his face that he has over Van Holden. And then we cut, and then we cut back to Matt, and then we see that there is anger. It, you see it in his breath, that, that there's anger, and then it goes into restraint, and then you hear him inhale, and then you hear him exhale, and then we get a little smile. It's almost like he's feeling a little smug where he's at over the moment that he could easily, you know, pummel him to death, but he chooses not to, and, and then... And then we're looking back over his shoulder. And then we see the fist lowering. And then after that, Matt is backing away. And he's staring at him the whole time as we watch Van Holden drops to the floor. And I just love the fact that Matt, you know, he never looks away, never loses eye contact with him. And And then we watch Van Holden shrivel up almost like into a little ball. As we hear it, the bathroom door close. And I, I just, I, I thought it was a really powerful moment. And I thought it, it conveyed itself very well.
1: Well, it was a complete opposite to how we met both of them.
2: You know, we, we didn't really talk about necessarily about, you know, other roles that Elijah Wood has had. Whoa,
1: whoa, 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 whoa. Shut your fucking mouth. Frodo. And now it's time for John's... My precious
0: moment. This is the point in any of our podcasts where I take the movie we are currently reviewing and compare it to the greatest movie series ever made, Lord of the Rings. Let's start off with Frodo. Pete is definitely... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Matt Buckner really gives off a Frodo vibe. He is the one on a journey, a journey of self-discovery, of finding his place, finding a family, and most of all, finding his balls. In the beginning... When he loses Harvard, he loses his sense of belonging. It's Pete who leads him to the GSC. Aragorn in this movie would be Steve, AKA the Major. He's the reluctant king who prefers not to rule. He walked away from his kingdom, but his people still need him. That makes Shannon his Arwen. Gandalf, now you may disagree with me on this, but this is who I thought Pete represented in this movie. While he may seem like a leader, which he definitely was, it's Pete that serves as a guide for Matt. He advises him. He gets him to come out of his shell, just as Gandalf did for both Bilbo and Frodo, and he eventually sacrifices his life to buy time for the others to escape. His distracting comment to Tommy about his son to protect Shannon was akin to Gandalf telling the Balrog, you shall not pass. The other members of the GSC are, are the members of the Fellowship. We really don't get to know them well enough for to decide who fits which role, but they're definitely the Fellowship behind uh, Pete and Fro- er, Pete and Matt. Tommy Hatcher, the leader of Millwall's firm, is Sauron the White. All, his, all of his firm members are his orcs. Sauron is represented by the rivalries. It's the rivalry that drives the folks. It's what corrupts them. It's what gives them a reason to fight and leads them down a dangerous path. Bover in this movie, well, for Bover, I picked Gollum. The GSE is everything to him. It's his precious. When Matt comes in and he immediately mistrusts Matt as if Matt was gonna take it all away from him, take away his precious. He even goes as far to work with the enemy to eliminate Matt and get his precious back. Up until the end, Bulver really only cares about himself and maybe a little bit of a crush on Pete. Who is Jeremy Van Holden? He's barely worth mentioning since he barely is in the movie. I can see a bit of Denthor the steward of Gonthor in him, as in like a false king who tries to hold on to his rule at the expense of others, but other than that, He was kind of a wasted character. So what is the precious, what is the one ring in Green Street Hooligans? For Green Street Hooligans, it would be the GSC itself. When Matt comes into contact with the GSC, his courage grows and he learns to fight back. The GSC empowers Matt. And while the GSC seems good for Matt's character, it actually entraps him, stopping his forward progress and putting his life in danger. It's not until he finally walks away that he's able to stand his own ground and reclaim his life. And there you have it, my comparison between Green Street Hooligans and Lord of the Rings. Bring on the grades, mate.
1: Oh, I see what you did there. Did you? Mate. Did ya? Did you see what he did there? You fucking wanker. What do you got? I I thought that the Gandalf
2: comparison was good. I like the Aragorn comparison and the Gollum after that.
1: Yeah, C. C. From the professor. Uh, it was it was going pretty good. Uh, until you mentioned Jeremy. Who the
0: fuck needed Jeremy? I I was very tempted to leave him completely.
1: Yeah. yeah. Next time, listen to your gut. Because of that, you get a C plus. Yeah. I was gonna give you a B. Really? Yeah. Wow. Because I thought for sure he was gonna say his the precious was the balls that they were looking for.
0: I originally had that written
1: great minds and that was john's moment all right so what do you guys think you guys ready to rate this bitch i
2: think we should rate this bitch what about you john do you want to rate this bitch me, i'm
1: ready professor how do we do our ratings
2: we do our ratings on a scale of one to five fucks five fucks is a movie that we think is cinematic gold a one fuck movie is a movie where you saw it for whatever reason, but you have no desire to ever see it again because there's just nothing that you care about it ever again, ever watching it. So, you know, fuck that.
1: And what's a zero? A
2: zero fuck, uh, it's like a uh, broken bottle to the throat. Fuck you for making me watch this. It was painful.
1: Ooh, I like that. Broken bottle to the throat.
2: Who wants to go first? I'll go first. So Green Street Hooligans, when I heard that we were going to do this, I was looking forward to, to this watch because, as I said, I had seen it a couple times before. And I did enjoy it very much this time around. And I came to appreciate it a little bit more due to the camera work that we got from the director. And I really appreciated what I feel like that the movie conveys. There, there's several themes. Standing up for yourself. Love. Friendship. Uh, brotherhood, camaraderie. And I, I think that these are, are strong characteristics that are echoed throughout the movie as we watch Matt on his journey. And it's also uh, a kind of an interesting watch as well to look at the subculture of the pub life of these uh, British football clubs. You know, oh my gosh, they are a ruckus bunch. That's for damn sure. But in general, I, I found uh, Matt played by Elijah Wood, to be a a very uh, good character. And I was very much with him throughout his journey, uh, the anxiety being in over his head and having himself redeem himself and, and find the courage to, to make himself a strong person, not because anybody else told him to, but he did it for himself. I also really appreciated Pete and as I had mentioned at the beginning of the pod, it's interesting that these people who are lawless of sorts and they are constantly uh, responsible for carnage and destruction I find these characters to be generally likable and I, I dug that about them and I just think that you know the the relationship that Pete and Matt have with each other I I dug it, and I enjoyed watching their story go together. And that moment that we first see Pete uh, <laughs> getting Matt to try to fight for himself, and he tells him, just think of someone you hate, you know, right before they get into that first fight that he goes into. I also appreciated having uh, the, uh, the story arc between him and his sister Shannon. I, I, it, it worked for me. And the chaos of the fights, I thought, was represented well. And so I pointed out, the music, I, I really dug the music as well. I, I thought that the, uh, the music accompaniment that had uh, us either through lyrics or non-lyrical stuff during the fights, I, I thought it was played very well. And I find that it's going to be a, an easy movie for me to watch sometime in the future should I choose to watch it again. I'm giving this movie four solid fucks.
1: Four solid fucks from the professor. You want to go? Or you want me to go? I can go next. All right, buddy.
0: Green Street Hooligans is a film meant to portray the greedy side of fam, fan obsession with a sports team, football hooligans. But it also gives the viewer insight into the different aspects of family dynamics. Is family by blood, or is family those who have your back? The actors in this movie did a great job i did have troubles following some of the dialogue due to the slang and the accents but the pace of the film was fast and it fit the film's theme the tone was dark it was violent but it conveys the importance of family and finding the unit where you belong the movie never made me really understand the need for them to fight or really get behind any of them during the fights The fights just felt unnecessary, meaningless, and I'm surprised more folks weren't seriously hurt. What was the point? Why was their reputation that important to them that they were willing to risk their lives, their livelihoods, and those of the blokes closest to them? But I did get the point that it's not for me to understand or support. It's about giving me a view into the life of a hooligan. My only other issue was that it felt like there was a lot of underdevelopment of some of the side characters that were tied to the main character stories, like the father and the sister. I felt like we needed more from the sister and the father, and that it was built up to have this deep impact on Matt, but they never really got into it. They just barely touched on it. Either give us more, or why bother with them at all? The movie also leaves a lot of unanswered questions. What happened to Tommy, Bover, and the Major, etc. Now, I know, Don, you don't really care what happened to him because that wasn't the point of the story, and I get that. But for me, I think I would have liked a little bit more of closure in the end of the movie. Green Street is a movie that leaves a lasting impression and keeps you thinking about it long after it ends. So for those reasons, I'm giving Green Street hooligans three and a half
1: fucks. Three and a half fucks from the comic book guy. I got to say, that's higher than I thought you were going to give it.
0: You know, in the beginning of uh, this podcast, I was intent on giving it a three. But from hearing you both and getting me to think more about the movie,
1: I actually went up a half. There you go. There you go. <clears throat> All right. Uh, Green Street Hooligans. This is the first time that I have ever seen this movie, and I got to say right out, uh, right out front, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I enjoyed the pacing. I enjoyed the cast. I enjoyed the style in which it was made, and I even enjoyed the topic. I can't say that I'm a huge football fan, but I'm intrigued by the culture. Uh, I am blown away by the fandom. They are some hardcore fans fans and when you can love something that much it kind of makes life worthwhile you know what i mean whether it be sports arts craft whatever if you have that much devotion and that much love for something i say fucking god be with you um elijah wood i thought was the uh correct choice for this role uh he he conveys emotion in his face and has uh do we call it a tenderness or he has a um he just has a, a low-key demeanor about him that really fits this role. And he's gentle, right? Very much of a gentle soul. And uh, discount Channing Tatum on the other uh, spectrum of that. You think he's just going to be this hardcore dick who doesn't fucking care. But it turns out he's fucking human. And I was actually really disappointed that they killed him off. I understand why you have to, and I understand the self-sacrifice, and ultimately, in movies like this, regardless of the theme, self-sacrifice is the ultimate penance for being an asshole. So, I was on board with him. The rest of the cows rounding it out, I thought they did a great job. Um, again, I like the style. The soundtrack, as you were saying, uh, Professor, moved me, kept me going, kept me moving along in the story. Um Overall, I'm really happy that we watched this. This is something that I will be definitely watching again. And for those reasons, I'm giving Green Street Ooligans 3.5 fucks.
2: I thought that that was a really compelling point that you made about uh, Pete needing to die. And if Pete doesn't die, maybe Matt still stays. Maybe. But with, to- with Pete dying, now he has to go because there is nothing left for him. And he is escaping back to America where he can resume his life with his family, his sister.
1: Well, thank you. With three and a half fucks from me, four fucks from Ken, and three and a half fucks from the comic book guy, that gives Green Street Hooligans an average of 3.7 fucks, which puts it in the 14th spot with Dogma, Halloween, and The Outsiders. And it is slightly better than... Top Gun, Commando, The Shining, and a little bit worse than Die Hard 2, Hell or High Water, and The Blues Brothers.
0: I think it's interesting that it puts it at the same level as Outsiders, because both movies, to me, felt very similar. Yeah, very,
1: uh, I don't want to say juvenile, but the whole rumble aspect. The rumble, and the, and the, the, book, the sense of belonging and the gangs, and yeah, mm. yeah, interesting. Yeah,
2: both stories are very much about pride. Yeah.
1: So, welcome to the 14th spot on our list. Green Street hooligans. All right, so that is going to wrap it up for this episode. If you would like to know which movie we are going to be reviewing next, please check out our website. And speaking of which, hey John, where can they find us?
0: As always, they can find our website at 3 guys a where we post all of our podcasts, uh our show notes, movie trivia, teasers for the next shows, and things like that. They can also find us at any place that hosts podcasts, as well as all of social media.
1: All right. I just want to thank Zach, Ronnie, and Jill for listening. Keep on listening.
2: Thanks, Zach. Thanks,
1: Ronnie. Thanks, Jill. And I want to thank everyone who listens and who has suggested a movie. Be sure to pass us along, and if you keep listening to them, we'll keep recording them. For Three Guys in a Flick, I'm Don. I'm John. And I'm Ken. Thanks for listening.
0: Before we go any farther just one one sec okay i'm good
2: i All guess right. my question is each time that we talk about what it is that they say are we going to be trying to talk in that accent each time i don't know are well, we I, that's a good question that we'll
1: just have to roll the dice and let the show play out the way it plays out club football club and they're in the members of a firm yeah no, it's not a football team, it's a football club. Well, a football you're, club. You're going to piss
0: a lot of people off. I'm just trying to help you out here, bud. Yeah, but good. Fortunately, our numbers are low in the UK, so.
1: <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Wait, that's
0: yeah, a good thing?
1: I don't think I'm going to I don't think I'm going to put that on air. Hey, boys. I got a better question. What's your question? Who cares? Um <laughs> uh, Thank
2: you. Thank you for that one person that just yelled out I do to their to their speaker. Just like at the end of Aliens, Ripley and Newt and Hicks, they make it back to Earth. No, they don't. And they make a nice. No, they don't. Life no, they don't. So no, they don't. So no, they don't. They crash land in, on a monk planet, which is actually a prison planet.
1: And what happens really is that happen the, we really uh, have, the alien in gets into. Newt's Ripley, chamber Newt and, and, plants and plants a seed together, inside of Ripley. We thought it was Newt, but it wasn't Newt happened. because when Newt drowns, so when her chest happens, cavity is clean. And is as a matter of fact, Michael, Michael Behan got all kinds begins. of pissed off because Steve they used his likeness Shannon in Alien do 3. They get
2: back together and they do live happily ever after together in America. You
0: know, I was trying to think of some other like podcast that we could rumble with, but I feel like... We would lose because we'd go into the rumble, you'd be like leading us in, and you turn around and Ken and I'd be running the other way.
1: Oh my God, I can't even tell you how accurate that really fucking is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with- All right, fuck off, Good night.